Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Please enjoy today's message. So, Spirit, Soul, and Body, Part 2, Putting on the New Man. You know, we've been talking about how that we are triune beings made by a triune God. God is Father, Word, and Holy Spirit, and we are Spirit, Soul, and Body. We spent a lot of time talking about our triune nature, and then we talked about how that when you get born again, one part of your nature becomes perfect, righteous, and holy, just like God. Your spirit man becomes born again. You cannot heal your dead spirit. The Bible makes it clear that your old spirit has to be taken out and a new spirit needs to be put in. And 2 Corinthians five seventeen and 18 says it like this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, Other translations say he's a new creation which never before existed without precedent. And then verse 18 says, and all things are of God. So this new man that gets put on the inside of you, every part of him is of God. He's just like God in every respect. He's just like Jesus in every respect. He's as righteous and holy and perfect as he's ever going to get. You know, we spent a lot of time talking about that. You're not going to enter heaven and in your spirit attain some new level of righteousness and holiness. You got all that you're going to get when you got born again. Now, as we said many times, and it bears repeating, the challenge of the Christian life is to get what's on the inside of you to affect the rest of your triune nature. To affect your soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, your personality. To affect your body. Amen? That's the challenge. To work what's on the inside of you to the outside so everybody can see and be attracted to Jesus. Amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, the Bible calls this process of working what's in you when you're born again to the outside of you, to all parts of your being. The Bible calls that putting off the old man and putting on the new. Amen? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, this is King James, says, Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. The New King James says it a little bit better, a little easier to understand. It says, Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So the Bible makes it clear, before you got born again, you were by nature the children of wrath. Another way of saying it is, you were a child of the devil. When you got born again, you became a child of God. Amen. There's only two classes of beings in the world. There's the children of the devil, and then there's the children of God. Amen. You're not an old sinner saved by grace. That's false humility. That's a slap in the face of Jesus. That's saying your blood was not sufficient, Jesus, to make us perfect and righteous and holy so that we can enter heaven. You're not an old sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner. You got saved by grace. And now you have the nature of God living on the inside of you. Amen. Armed with that knowledge, we need to agree with the word of God. 
and cooperate with the Spirit of God, which will enable us to put off the old man and put on the new. Because there is a remnant of the old man still existing in your triune nature. But he dwells in the soul and the body, what we refer to collectively sometimes as the flesh. Got the spirit and the flesh. And so there's a remnant of the old man that still resides in the part of you that hasn't been trained up to match what's on the inside. Amen? And so if you're not careful, you will slip into behavior that matches your old nature, not your new nature. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Ephesians 4, through 24, and the King James says uh, that we should put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Amen. There it is in the Bible. If anybody wants to argue that you're not righteous and holy, just show them that scripture. Amen. Here it is in the New Living Translation. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Amen. Amen. Colossians 3, 8 through 10 in the King James. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Amen. Some of this is so simple, you have to have a theologian help you misunderstand it. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God I'm not a theologian. I just believe the Bible. Colossians 3, 8 through 10 in the New Living Translation makes it even more clear. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him in all parts of your being. That's my paraphrase. Amen. Romans 13, 11 through 14, King James. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Now, verse 13 is a little King Jamesian. So I pulled out the New Living Translation for verse 13, and I think it's a little easier to understand. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. But put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. Notice in this last passage that Paul says we should put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that significant? Well, in Ephesians and Colossians, which we just read, it says we should put on the new man. So let's read this next scripture and see if it clears up the mystery. 1 John 4, 17 in the New King James. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Amen. Did you get that? As he is, so are we in this world. Now, if you read the whole chapter in context, the dominant subject is the Lord Jesus Christ. So when Paul said, as he is, so are we in this world, he was talking about Jesus. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. What that means to me is this, the new man on the inside is just like Jesus, so much so that to put on the new man is to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Why? Because you are in unity with the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. You are one with God, you are one with Jesus, and you are like him in every respect. If you weren't, you couldn't be one with him. Amen? Hallelujah. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Amen. I believe this passage is talking about putting on the new man. How we're to work him from the inside out, so to speak. It's not talking about working out your salvation in the flesh. Because you can't do it by willpower alone. It reminds me of a commercial it's probably 30 years ago this commercial was real popular and uh, the guy had a cough and he tried to stop himself from coughing by saying, I will not cough, I will not cook, I will not cough. He was not successful because he was trying to do it with his own willpower and of course the commercial says you need this cough syrup to be able to stop coughing. Amen. I'm saying you need the Spirit of God on the inside of you and the Word of God on the inside of you to be able to take that which is inside you and put it on the outside. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If you're born again, this scripture said God is already working on the inside of you to help you conform to His will and His purpose for your life. Amen. So He's already at work on the inside of you. All you have to do is to cooperate with the Spirit of God who's already working on the inside of you to get what's in you to the outside. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. And the more you spend time in God's presence, the more you spend time in His Word, both corporately and privately, it becomes easier to cooperate with the man on the inside. Amen? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I believe everybody that's been walking with the Lord any length of time is familiar with this passage. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Next week, we're going to bring the body into the discussion. Amen. But this week, I want to talk about the soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, your personality. Because the soul is the key. He's the middleman. Amen? 
if the soul will hook up with the spirit, the body will go where they say to go. But if the soul hooks up with the body, the soul and the body are going to drag the new man somewhere he doesn't want to go. Amen. It's just that simple. Verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove or find out or discover what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Hallelujah. We need to renew our minds to the Word of God and train our minds to flow with the Spirit of God and submit to the will of the Spirit-filled man on the inside. You know, it's hard to get your arms around, but in, in women, when I say man, I'm talking about male and female man. You know, over there in Genesis, it says God created man, male and female, created he them. Okay, so you're a, either a male man or you're a female man. Amen. So when I say man, I'm talking about mankind. I'm talking about men and women. So don't be slighted by that. Okay. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 1 Peter 1, 22 to 23 says, You have purified your souls in obeying the truth. That word there for souls is the Greek word suke. It looks like psyche, but it's really pronounced suke. And it means your mind. Uh, it's the word that we get psychiatry from, which is the study of the mind. The mind, the will, the emotions, the intellect your personality, that part of you that makes you you. You have purified your souls, your minds, your will, your emotions, your intellect, your personality in obeying the truth. Jesus said in John 17, 17, that the word of God was equivalent to absolute truth. The word of God is truth. So another way you could look at this, you could say, you have purified your souls, your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, your personality in obeying the truth of the word of God. Awesome. Why? Because you've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And that new man on the inside enables you, if you will cooperate with him, follow the spirit of God, feed your spirit, the word of God. You will be able to communicate those concepts to the soul so that he sides with the spirit man in all things. Remember a couple weeks ago, I shared the the encounter that I had back in the late 1980s, 1988, December of 88, uh, where I actually was put into a trance and I heard my own spirit man voice encouraging my soul to team up with him to put the body under so we could do what God had called us to do. So I had a personal experience that made this very much real and alive to me. It's a real concept. If you get the spirit and the soul on the same page, the body will follow. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. There's a scripture that illustrates that concept very nicely. Psalm 86 verse 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. You know, I believe and I teach it this way that the spirit and the soul together are the heart of man. And so when your spirit and soul are united, then you're able to walk out the truth of God, walk out the word of God. You're able to walk out the man on the inside because the spirit and the soul are in unity. They're on the same page. Amen. Praise God. Well, it's important that you're able to see this new man on the inside. 
And the primary way that we renew our minds uh, is by reading, studying, listening to, meditating on, speaking, and doing the Word of God. Amen? The more we do this, the more we're able to look inward and see the new man on the inside. James chapter 1, verse 21 through 25. Wonderful passage. I'm only going to be able to hit the high points, but I think this will bless you. It says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Let me stop right there and de-King James this, okay? That actually means, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Now, there, there's wickedness, and there's some people that take it to a new level, you know. They're overflowing in wickedness. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. And that word there, save, is the Greek word sozo. It means to save, heal, deliver, make whole. And again, that word there, souls, is the Greek word suke. It's your mind, your will, your emotions, your personality, your intellect. When the word becomes part of you, when it's engrafted to you, it's able to save and make whole your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, your personality. Amen? Hallelujah. And then, as a result, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. I believe that this is kind of awkward in the King James, but I believe that verse 22 uh, basically comes from verse 21. When you have trained your soul and renewed your mind to the word of God, you are able to do the word of God. Amen. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. That, that actually means mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Verse 24. This is so interesting. He's talking about people who behold themselves in the mirror and straightway they forget what manner of man they are. In other words, what's being said is you get up in the morning and you get ready for church and you look in the mirror and you get your hair combed. Ladies, you put your makeup on and then you walk away from the mirror and you go, what do I look like? What, what color am I? Are my eyes blue or green? What does my face look like? It's like looking in the mirror and seeing who you are and then walking away and forgetting what you just saw. But it says, whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, which is the word of God, and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a faithful doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. In other words, when you look into the perfect mirror of the living word of God, you begin to see a reflection of who you are on the inside. Not who you are on the outside. And as you continue in the word, that man becomes more and more real to you and enables you to be a doer of the word. And when you're a doer of the word, you'll be blessed and everything you put your hand to will prosper. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So let's talk just for a few minutes about meditating on the word of God. Psalm 1, verse 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, 
and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Amen. Hallelujah. Joshua 1.8, along the same lines. This book of the law, that means the word of God, this book of the word shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. There's that same concept. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I said all of that to say this. The word meditate means to muse on, to think about, to deliberate. Sometimes even to mutter to yourself words. To meditate. A big part of meditating on the word of God involves speaking and declaring more than just mumbling under your breath, actually speaking out. You need to be speaking and declaring that you're a new man in Christ, especially when the enemy comes to tell you that you're not. Hey, I heard you cuss. You said a bad word. Yeah, well, I hit my thumb with a hammer. It just came out. Well, if you were a Christian, you wouldn't have said that. When the devil comes to you, now that's a very simple example, and tries to tell you because of your behavior, because of a slip-up, because you lost it. Now, how many have just lost it? Just, just your day, just one too many things went wrong, and you just lost it. We've all been there. I'll share a real quick story. I know we're going late, but you've got to hear this story. When I was flying for the Marines... And uh, I was on the USS Guam, which was a helicopter carrier. I was flying off the carrier. I had a, a stateroom with uh, three other roommates that we shared. We were all officers, and we were in the stateroom together, close quarters, not exactly comfortable, six months on this ship. And everybody had a fold-down desk in a bunk bed and a fold-down desk and one of those plastic molded chairs with the, the steel frame. Everybody had one of those. Everybody's chair was perfect but mine. Mine had a little, uh, one of the bead welds had kind of broke loose. And so whenever I sat in that chair, it would hold for about five minutes and then it would go kachunk like that. And just, I would go tilt. And so one night I was writing a letter to my wife and I had a really particularly bad day. And so I'm sitting there writing a letter to my wife and about the five minute mark, right on schedule, that chair gave way. Kachink, and I lost it. Uh, most people know that I'm kind of easygoing, don't raise my voice very often, soft spoken guy. Well, I got up calmly, grabbed the chair. All my roommates were there with me watching this, and I picked it up and I proceeded to bash it against the floor over and over and over again until it was just a pile of twisted metal and plastic. And then I ran out of the room, down the catwalk, and threw it into the Mediterranean Ocean. I came back, and all of my roommates who knew mild-mannered Scott Forrest said, Scotty, remind us never to make you mad. <laughs> That was a side of me they had never seen. Now, after that, the enemy was right there. 
What kind of Christian are you? These guys need to know Jesus, and here you are putting on a fleshly display like that. And you know what you have to do? You have to go back to the Word of God and say, you know what? Yeah, I sinned. I lost it. I got in anger. But it is no longer my nature to live by anger. When I sin, I'm sinning against my nature, which is to always do right. Thank God the blood of Jesus washed me clean of all my sin. I confessed it, and I got it out there, and it was over and done with. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Philemon 4 through 6, talking about declaring the new man on the inside. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. You have to acknowledge who you are in Christ. And that means you need to get into your Bible and dig in there and find the in Christ, in whom, by whom, through whom scriptures, and make them a part of you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and all things in me are new and are of God. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.17 and 5.21. Praise God. Amen. You need to go find you a regular vocabulary of those kind of phrases and begin to declare them over yourself on a continual basis. But it's not enough just to put the right things into your heart. It's equally important to keep bad things out. I know this sounds fundamental. It sounds ABC, one, two, three. But you need to be careful what you put into your heart and mind. Because it will affect your behavior. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Be careful for nothing. The uh, Amplified says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Jesus said over there in Matthew 631, he said, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we wear? But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Don't let the devil browbeat you in your mind. Amen. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, if they're of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Amen. Now, you know, thoughts come and thoughts go. And some of them are because you watched something you shouldn't have watched or you listened to something you shouldn't have listened to or you read something you shouldn't have read. Some are your fault. Some are just random. Random, evil, impure thoughts will come your way and you need to say, you know, whether they came from me or they came from some external source, I refuse these thoughts. I will not accept them. Now, it's, it's, it's very difficult to stop thinking about a certain thing. So what you got to do is you got to shift and think of something else. And that's what Paul's saying here. Change the conversation to things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of a good report. If there's virtue and praise, I'm going to think of these things. So instead of trying to stop thinking that evil thought, think a good thought counter it amen hallelujah second corinthians 10 5 says casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of god and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of christ if it were not possible to bring every thought obedient 
it wouldn't be in the Bible. Amen? So if it's possible, I can do it. Now, can I do it in my own strength? No. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Psalm 101.3. This is David speaking. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. It means it shall not stick to me. Amen? In other words, he made a covenant that he was not going to put any wicked thing before his eyes. How many have ever watched a movie at home when nobody's watching that you know you shouldn't have watched? And when you're done, you feel like you need to take a shower. You know why? Because it's cleaving to you. It's clinging to you. Things that don't need to be cleaving and clinging to you. If you can't watch it with Jesus sitting on the couch with you, you probably don't need to be watching it. Amen. Hallelujah. So here David says he will not allow wickedness in any form to come before his eyes. And the one time he did look at something he wasn't supposed to, i.e. Bathsheba, because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, it brought great sorrow and destruction to his house and to his kingdom. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 7 through 8, talks about how that just lot was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, the manner of living of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Bible says that Lot vexed his righteous soul by the wicked things that he saw and heard his neighbors do in Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you know your Bible, that vexation eventually, just like David looked at something he shouldn't have looked at, it affected his behavior. In the same way, Lot looked at some things, probably moved his tent down to Sodom against the will of the Lord, put himself in that environment, and eventually, because of what he saw and heard, it affected his behavior. And if you know your Bible, uh, that vexation caused wickedness to be manifested in his life. After Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed, he ended up getting drunk and sleeping with his own two daughters and birthed two nations, which greatly afflicted the nation of Israel, the Ammonites and the Moabites. So what would Jesus do moving right along? Remember, probably a couple of decades ago, it was a real popular movement. What would Jesus do? Well, the part that most people leave out of that equation is this. Everything that Jesus did was dictated by the things that he saw his father do and the things that he heard his father say and the things that he read in the scriptures. Amen? Hallelujah. He did hang out with sinners, but only so he could minister his love, his mercy, his grace, his compassion, where it was most needed. He did not, however, I'm going somewhere with this, develop intimate relationships with sinners. He developed intimate relationships with his closest followers and most importantly with his heavenly father. Why? Because it's important what and who you watch, what and who you listen to, what you read, and who you hang out with. Start hanging out with people of like faith and of like mind, people who will encourage you to do what is right and live for God. Amen. So wrapping this up, we spent a lot of time talking about renewing our minds to the Word of God, to the ways of God, to the ways of His Spirit. Finding out who we are in Christ, the new man on the inside that we've been talking about. But we haven't really discussed a lot of the Scriptures that tell us who we are in Christ and what we have in Christ as born-again 
spirit-filled believers. We mentioned some. We'll have to leave that as a homework assignment. You can do that on your own until the time comes that we teach a series on new creation realities, and we will eventually teach that series. Amen. I challenge you in the meantime to take your Bible software, or if you're old school, get out that 25-pound concordance. (laughs) Hallelujah. And look up all the in Christ, through Christ, in Him, in whom scriptures you can find. This was something that was mandatory for our Bible students when I was over the Bible school in Louisiana. There was a class called New Creation Realities, taught by Rule Young. And the assignment in the class was to use whatever concordance or software available to you to find all of those in whom, in Christ, through him, through whom. There's about 145 of them, give or take, depending on which translation you go to. But it would behoove you sometime to just take that as a project and just write them down. And then pick a couple of those things and speak them of yourself every day. Amen? So next week, we'll bring the body into the discussion. After all, our bodies can be with us in our pursuit of perfection, or they can be against us in our pursuit of perfection. I think we'd all agree we need to learn to subject our bodies to the will and purposes of God if we're going to impact the world around us. Amen? Nobody likes a Christian that acts like a sinner. Amen? If you act like a sinner, how are you ever going to attract people to Christ if you're just like they are? Doesn't mean you need to get in their face with the gospel, but you know there's something to be said for just living the gospel. Just live the gospel. You know? And when the opportunity to share arises, share. And you can have great impact. But only if the new man is showing up on the outside. Amen. So next week, we'll talk about the body and we'll have some fun. Amen. 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 We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And He's coming back again. We believe.